this up as I go. What are your qualifications? Ah, well, I attended Juilliard. I'm a graduate of the Harvard Business School. I travel quite extensively. I have people skills. I am good at dealing with people. You just don't know when to give up, do you? I need to do this all day. The Matt Sodnicker Podcast. Welcome to the podcast. This is Matt Sodnikar. Thanks again to everybody for listening, for sharing, and for sending me guests and suggestions. I do appreciate it. And with me today is Colleen Abdullah. We met at Sea Level at Mile High a couple years ago. She is the past chair and CEO of WOW Internet Phone and Cable, the chair emeritus of World Pulse, which is a social network for women to accelerate change for gender equity, board chair for Rocky Mountain PBS, She's involved with the Colorado Women's College, some public and private boards, and an ardent warrior for gender equity, which I absolutely love that title and that mission. And with that, Colleen, thank you for being here, and I appreciate you making the time. Hi, Matt. It's fun to be with you. Good. I I liked when we first popped on video, you said, oh, I know. I remember you now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I hope it was a positive impression. I don't know about you, but I'm terrible with names. The minute I see a face, then it connects for me. So it's good to Agreed. see you again. You too. And let's just jump into it. I When we had talked last week about what we we're going to cover, the, the word I wrote down was courage. And you had mm-hmm. a story that uh, I didn't want to even do the broad strokes of it. I just wanted you to talk about it and then lead into that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting topic because we, we talked about so many things and I, it's something that I'm really challenged by and I've been giving a lot of consideration to, especially during this political time that we're experiencing in the division and just a blatant sort of hatred for somebody who has a different position than yours, you know? And when I watch people who stand up against that and say, this is what I believe, and this is my truth, and this is my experience. That that level of courage is so inspiring to me. And so I've been thinking about where does it come from and just how much power I myself have given to the external world over the years. Maybe that's the beauty of age, right? I'm 61 now. And I would say for the last decade, probably, maybe a little bit more, I, I've really tried to tried to stay centered internally about uh, who I am and where true power comes from. You know, I think our personal power is our being and our truth and when we surrender that to the external world to the external forces and opinions of others we lose ourselves and we lose that ability to be courageous do you know what i mean do you feel that too i do and i i learned painfully long ago and this is something i try to hold to is that the only thing I can control, I can't control the circumstances, but I can control my reaction to those circumstances. 
Yeah, I heard recently, I don't know where I read it, but I loved it because I too was raised with that thought that you can only control your circumstances. And this guy was saying, well, there's two things you can control. You can control your preparation. Oh, your level of consciousness and preparation for how you are going to then respond. And I love that. I had never been told that before. But when I read it, it was like, oh my gosh, that's so true. That that if we just went around and kept responding in ways that wasn't super healthy, you know, and wasn't super evolved of us, then okay, yeah, I controlled that response, but it wasn't that it wasn't that great because I had not really prepared myself to respond differently to life. And, and I thought there was wisdom in that. I, I like that too. And that's something that, uh, you know, saw something from Peyton Manning when he was the quarterback of the Broncos. Somebody asked yeah. him if he got nervous before games. And he said, I don't because I've put so much time into preparation and there's mm. always, and I think that, you know, coming from like a very non-prepared childhood and previous adult life where I was diagnosed with ADD at a, at adult age, but had this amazing uh, adaptability characteristic mm-hmm. <clears throat> that I built up because of just not being organized and being impulsive. And then now blending that with, preparation and not losing the adaptability and it's like that's a superpower that i can turn on like if i fall off the building and i can fly away but it's way easier to not fall off the building (laughs) and that comes from preparation so oh i love what you're saying because it only already it also makes me think about a philosophy i've had for decades and and use if i'm ever doing individual coaching of someone is that I love that you use superpower and gift in in whatever the situation is, because I truly believe we're born in a very pure sense with nothing but gifts. I don't think we have, quote, weaknesses or things that are, are negative. I think what happens in life is we have these gifts and we when we mismanage them, for whatever reason, like in your case, your, your example, you didn't know you had this challenge, mm-hmm. right? So it wasn't that that's a weakness in you. It isn't that it's a, a fault or a, a some way that you're damaged. It simply means that now you have to take the gifts that, that you have and manage them differently so that they don't become negative, so that they don't become liabilities in your life. And, and I love that, that philosophy or that approach because so many times people are like, tell me what I'm doing wrong. Tell me what my weaknesses are. Help me change uh, the negative things about me. And it's like, no, no, no. We're going to build on what is the gifts that you have and figure out when you're in a negative space, what gift are you mismanaging? That is so powerful. I'm going to make a note of that because the gift you are mismanaging. Because we can, you know, you can name anything, Matt, that has given you, that is a challenge. You know, say, let's take the impulsivity that if people were, say you're the boss and they're, you know, he'd never, 
he, he doesn't listen well. He's not real thoughtful. He makes decisions too quickly. Oh my God, that's all my negatives. But if you looked at that feedback and said, okay, what gift am I mismanaging? Huh? I get, I diagnose and get to, through my diagnostic thoughts pretty quickly. I know with clarity what I believe and think. Um, geez, those are really, and I'm not afraid to make a d- quick decision. Okay, so those are really powerful gifts that I have. Now, how am I mismanaging them? Well, I'm not breathing, and I'm not taking the time to really listen to others. Even if I'm really super clear, and I've done my diagnostics on the situation, I need to value their opinion. And I'm, so I'm going to become a little better listener and I'll still make my decision and I'll still make it with clarity and assertiveness and without fear, but it'll be because I have listened and considered everybody's opinions and maybe my decision's going to be better then. It's just a gentler, more compassionate, more loving way to look at things that we can improve. And I think if we, if we look at the things that we can get better at, be more conscious of, if we do it in a way that is loving, compassionate, and kind, and gentle, versus what we tend to do, which is be incredibly judgmental, to get caught up in comparisons. Well, he's better at that than I am. Well, she's so much more regarded on that than I am, blah, blah, blah. That negativity, that judgment keeps us stuck, you know? Yeah. And there's a whole nother topic around judgment, you know, that I think ties to courage. I think judgment is sort of the center of the negative web. You know, all these things come off judgment, (laughs) you know? Comparison, which is the killer of joy, comes from judgment. Being negative and critical comes from judgment. Not loving and self-respecting ourselves enough comes from judgment, you know? And there's a big difference between judgment and discernment. And I think if we spent more time trying to be discerning versus judging, I think we'd be wiser, happier, more joyous people. Could not agree more. And as you were going through the description of gifts and things like that, it's almost like you've read my disc profile <laughs> about the oh, decisions because really? I was a <laughs> professional development facilitator for a while. And that's how I would start this two day course would being would be, would be by saying, look, you have disc is all about strengths. There's no weaknesses and we're all different. There's no best profile there's no one better than the other. And as you were talking about like the impulsivity and the decision-making in my past, those people that were the detail people, I initially for the longest time saw them as the enemy. Cause I would have these imaginative ideas and I do arrive at vision very quickly and I would hear their advice or feedback or questions as criticisms, but they were really, I look on it now, they were trying to help me get this done correctly. So I look at it now like, hey, I'll just, I'll wake up, have this crazy idea, 
you guys sort it out. Tell me what's wrong with it. I'm going to go back to sleep. Wake me up when you're done. <laughs> and then it's going to work so much better. Like they are my ultimate allies. Like I see somebody now that is a highly detailed person and like you are my boss. I love you. I want your skills because I don't have them. I'm going to give you this fuzzy thing and I want you to make it a hard edge successful thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's just these minor little shifts of how we perceive things, the judgments we have um, versus the values and things we care about. I mean, those subtle little changes can make a huge difference in our perspective, in our consciousness, and how we show up every day. Agreed. Uh, going back to courage, do you want to kind of describe at a very anonymous, broad level the story about your friend's daughter and the job? Oh, yeah, that her daughter was going for, I mean, she's was sought after, had, you know, great mind and, and resume, and she was interviewing with this one place who, you know, the various interviewees said some really sort of critical damaging things uh, you know even boarding on prejudicial and anyway she just wasn't comfortable and thinking this is not the culture and environment i want to be in and ended up taking a job with another firm and when they asked her what was going on why why did she make that choice you know her mother my girlfriend gave her good advice and said tell them the truth you know tell them as kindly and respectfully as you can, what you experience, not in a way to criticize those people, but to just tell them this is what happened and why it didn't feel right. And oh my gosh, the backlash she got back was, hey, you know, we can fix those things. It's not a big deal. It wasn't meant to be this way. This is who we really are. And they're just like almost hounding her in response. And she went to her mom and said, don't ever ask me to do that again. I mean, I'm just, I'm going to walk away next time. Like, what did that do? And uh, other than, you know, be very, very difficult for me. And I thought about it from the standpoint of courage. It took courage for her to do that. It took courage for her to care enough, even though she wasn't going to be working there. And I thought, isn't that representative of life, though, that if we just look at things for for an end outcome that, okay, well, I got the other job, so why do I care? It's because I think if we sort of went into every interaction, every engagement as how can I impact this conversation, this situation, um, and leave a part of me um, here in, in as positive a way as I can, that's a completely different motivation, right? And I think it's a good one. I think it's one that you never know. There's so many parables or stories by philosophers that talk about planting seeds. And, and I think we're so um, results oriented, you know, and outcome oriented that sometimes we forget that maybe just a comment or two or an, a specific action would plant a seed that who knows could be five years down the road, but it made an impact. And I think that's part of 
what courage is about. But I, I think what's really fascinating about the topic of courage is it, it affects everything. It affects um, how do we really think about ourselves and our values and what motivates us and what our intentions are because all of that will affect our ability to be courageous. You know, if we value authenticity and honesty, integrity over pretty much anything else, then I think being courage comes easy, being courageous would come a little easier to all of us if we really stayed grounded in those things. And it's hard, it's bloody hard. Yeah. You know, because we all want to belong. We all want to be part of a family or a community or a society, whatever. We want to belong. And um, being an outlier or having a position that isn't part of the majority, it's hard. It's really hard. But it, I, I feel like, Matt, if we don't, if we don't live with more courage, to stand by who we are and what we believe. I think we lose ourselves. That's the saddest thing. We lose who we are and we give it up to external forces. And all we have is ourself, right? You come into the world <laughs> bare butt and alone and you leave the world bare butt and alone. And so all those people that you gave so much power away to, it just doesn't matter. The, the nuance that you expressed with courage about not being tied to an outcome with an action is, it's to me so powerful. I don't think I've ever really heard it described in that way. And I've always heard is that, you know, you get the courage is just simply doing what you have to do, even if and when you're still afraid of it, but not being tied to the outcome I've seen so many people and myself included where I didn't even try certain things because I was afraid of the outcome. Oh yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, I, I come from, um, my mom was a recovered alcoholic by the time I was 12. But, um, before that I was sort of the one of the kids that wanted to make everything right and take care of everything. The and fixer. Blah, blah, blah. So Yeah. So I definitely, you know, learned really quickly that, that I should try to control things for an outcome. And years ago, literally 16 now, I can't believe that. I, uh, every year I would go on an uh, annual retreat to a monastery or somewhere quiet and be silent and solitude for about four to five days. I built up to about five days, I think. And anyway, 16 years ago, I'm literally in this room and I'm, if I could flog myself, I would have, but I was just, you know, oh my gosh, <laughs> am I, am I a good mother? Am I a good daughter? Am I a kind sister? Am I a decent leader? Am I this, am I that? And, and just, you know, really, really feeling a lot of angst. And I remember I stood up at one point, <coughs> excuse me, um, sort of exhausted by it all. And I sat down at the table that I had my sort of 
materials on and notes. And I heard as clearly as if you were saying it to me, Colleen, pay attention to the motivation and intention of your heart, because that is where I reside. And if it is pure, let go of the outcome. And I knew that it was a wisdom that came from within me, but I, cause I, I couldn't have constructed that. So I said, what? You know, and sat there and I heard it again, pay attention to the motivation and intention of your heart because that is where I reside. And if it is pure, let go of the outcome. So I went for a long walk, Matt, and I, I thought about that and thought about it and, and even had the critical judgment right away. Like, well, what if I do do something and it's not a pure motivation and intention? And I heard again, learn from it and move on, which was a direct and but gentle response. And okay, so sure enough, I, I write it down, I journal about it, I think about it. And the minute I come home, I am tested for probably two weeks, situation <laughs> after situation after situation. Here you go. <laughs> yeah, the first one being my daughter really did something horrible, you know, acted out, uh, you know, physically at school. And I was just so mad. And I remember grabbing her arm and taking her down the hallway to her bedroom. And I'm just furious. And I'm thinking, and it comes to me, what are you motivated by? Anger. Yeah. What's your intention to show her who's boss and discipline the heck out of her? Is it pure? And I thought, no. So by the time we got to her bedroom and I plunked her down on the bed firmly, I took some breaths and I thought, okay, I want to be motivated by love. I want my intention to be to understand what happened and help her understand what happened. Completely didn't, different motivation and intent than I had walking down that hallway. And so I said, look, I'm really, really upset and really angry and really disappointed and this isn't who you are and so let's talk about what happened. You gotta tell me the truth about what happened and what you were feeling for you to respond that way. And sure enough, this guy had been sort of bullying her and teasing her constantly and she just snapped finally because she hadn't told me or anybody about it, but she snapped. And so we were able to talk about that situation and how to handle it differently and, and I could empathize and be more compassionate. It was just a completely different outcome than if I had been motivated with the motivation and intention that I had originally. And then same thing at work, you know, I had a board member who was constantly taking credit for everything I was doing and decisions and changes I was making. And he had done it yet again while I was on retreat. And so boom, I started authoring a email to the full board to sort of out him, and I had had enough of this. And again, I'm about to press send and I hear what he'd be motivated by. Mm, ego. <laughs> If I was honest, you know, and intention to show them that I am better than what he's saying and I'm making all these decisions and for me to look better in their eyes than what he's doing. 
is it pure? No. And I'm like, damn. So even though it took me half an hour to construct that darn thing, I deleted it. And it was just like situation after situation for at least two weeks in my memory where it was like things were happening and I could hear this voice. And so now I've tried to start to discipline myself to, to do that for myself. And sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. But every time I do, it's like a gift to myself. So... I want to go back to the story with your daughter and that board member for a second. <clears throat> I, I told my kids over and over and over space repetition that, look, I'm not the cops. I'm not here to catch you. I'm here to, I'm still a coach. Like I still have ultimate authority, but I want to help you make better mistakes is what I told them than I did. And it took those trying times with both kids at that event, at that inflection point where I had to back up my words with actions that were, it would have been easier just to react and go against that philosophy, but just coach them up and build that trust. Because I explained that as they got older, their penalty for failure increased dramatically. You go to high school and then you're driving and then there's parties and sex and all this other stuff. And like the, it's just adult life is what happens. And I just had to prove it by reacting on the inside, but not acting on the outside. And it was a challenge, but you know, they're 23 and 18 now. And I think we have amazing adult relationships and we're mm. sliding scale between parent and friend and an advisor, but it's tough. That's really tough. Mm-hmm. And then with that board member, did you ever in any way confront or address, or I know you deleted the email, but what was, what was the next day, couple weeks, couple months like with that board member? Did it ever turn into something where you, gave yourself a little bit of satisfaction and whipped out the hammer. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it, 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 um, what I sort of did was just kept on, you know, and yeah. I think as the board got to know me and through, to your point, through actions, you know, they came to their own conclusion about what I was doing and not doing, you know, and, and what was, um, because of my decision-making or my actions or the team's actions that, and not his opinion that was, it just, it just didn't matter so much. I didn't focus so much on him anymore as because it was a power play between us. Once I realized that it was my insecurity, it was my desire Mm. to sort of stand above what he was saying and let them know that, look at these are all the things I'm doing, not because of him. And when I let that go, when I surrendered that and just did what I was doing and did what I could, things worked out really well. And again, it, it, this is sort of circular. Everything we're talking about is circular is that if you can have the courage to just stay with things and be who you are and do what you're doing and have the exchanges that you're having and trust that that's enough 
you know, that you don't have to take on the other guy. You don't have to try to stand out uh, over him or her, uh, that it will just be what it will be because you are being you. That's what really matters. Yeah. And I love that, <clears throat> that approach and that advice of, if I'm to summarize, is sort of let the results speak for themselves. You let the other board members figure this out. Um, but as a, or is that, or is that the case? Yeah, no, there, there is that, that's part of the message. But the other part is, is if my motivate, if I focus more on what was motivating me and what my intentions were, then the outcomes would be what they were meant to be. Like, so mm. Matt, if I, if I love you and I tell you something that is really tough for you to hear and you get super angry and pissed off and you cut me out for a while because you're just upset. Now the old me before getting that message would have been, <laughs> oh my God, how can I change this outcome? How can I convince him that I didn't mean to hurt him and blah, 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 and, and you know, go on and on. And it would have killed me. I would have been so upset that I had done something that badly to upset you. Whereas now with this message, with this value, what I would do if you got super upset is say, Matt, I did it. I was motivated by my love for you. My intention was to help not upset you but I see that I have, and I'm sorry that that's the outcome. And then be able to let it go. That was, that sounds easier. For my type personality, that's really super hard to do. But the more I've practiced it over the years, the easier it's become, because I can sleep at night knowing that I didn't, my, my, my intention wasn't to put you in your place and to feel superior to you. My, that wasn't what was motivating me. My intention wasn't to have you be upset and, and me feel like the smart one and you feel like the loser. I mean, I knew that that wasn't my motivation and intention. I could, I wouldn't, doesn't make me happy that you've cut me out of your life, but I could accept it knowing that that wasn't my intention and that I was motivated by love. That's more the example, mm -hmm. is that if, if, you know, if I remain motivated by, I wanted to be a really good CEO, I wanted to meet our objectives and goals, not only for the board, myself and the team, and my intention was to do it with great authenticity and hard work and standing by my values. And if the outcome was that somebody took credit for that, then okay, so be it. So that strong sense of accomplishment and satisfaction and honoring yourself, the, the results for the company were more satisfying than that little tiny battle in that while you're on retreat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think when I look at these people who, you know, especially this uh, political environment, I mean, if you're motivated by power only, and your intention is to retain that power at all costs, the outcomes are not going to be great for those that you were supposedly there to serve. 
Couldn't and agree more. it's not about the politicians. It's about the politicians that people represent. And if their base or their communities are angry and hurting and, and expecting that the only way out is to fight, you know, to fight anything that is different from their beliefs and they play into that, then what, what are we doing? You know, what are we learning? What are we accomplishing? Nothing other than staying stuck in those really awful feelings and awful behaviors. I've, I've been there when at times if I didn't have something to make me miserable to fight against and not, <clears throat> it wasn't always relationships or it wasn't work, but I needed some sort of enemy. And I think it was, mm. it, this was a, a very layered onion for me. It was self-esteem. It was true, genuine accomplishment. It was the lack of having um, true challenge in my life and understanding that once I was aware and it was in conjunction with therapy and everything else that it's like, Oh, I don't like being upset. I don't avoid emotions. I, I cry every year at it's a wonderful life. And I look forward to certain scenes in that movie when I get emotional and I was out cutting a Christmas tree with some friends a couple of weeks ago. And I had, um, yeah, tunes playing on a speaker, Christmas carols and watching my two dear friends and their daughters out there. And I was missing my daughter and I was embracing the emotions. So I don't shy away from those emotions, but to be, you know, a road rager or online and flaming people on comments, like I don't, that's something I actively try to process as fast as I can and get away from that. And it's just, I think about just how I think about how bad my life was. I'm not going to extrapolate on to anybody else that we're talking about, but just that sucked just to be. Yeah. And I think you nailed it. I think you nailed it, Matt, is that, you know, I've always said, if you meet a really negative person, angry, negative person, say a little prayer, or if you don't believe in prayer, send them some positive vibes and energy because they're really deep down unhappy. You know, if, and that's the truth of it. Same, same with me in my teens, twenties. I mean, what made me feel better was the, you know, gossiping, being critical of others and being judgmental. And it was all because I wasn't, I was insecure yep. and I wasn't happy inside. The happier and more peaceful and more conscious I become inside, the less joy or interest I have in being involved in negative conversations, critical conversations, being judgmental of others. It just feels yucky. Yeah. But, if, <laughs> but if you're feeling crappy inside about a lot of things, you're going to be spewing that out. And, and what's so sad about it is all we have to do is just look inside and say, where's this coming from? Because all this fear that is out there, all this anger, everybody's saying, oh, well, the anger is just masking fears. And I, I agree with that. I think there is a lot of fear. Um, 
right now and has been over the centuries and decades for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, And fear can drive really poor behavior. But I think it's even deeper than that. I think anger represents is a mask for a lot of emotions. You know, if you're really truly hurt, you you can present anger because you're not going to, you don't want to go into that painful hurt feeling. So anger is a better feeling. You know, or if you're scared, or if you're um, just sad, or if you're confused, all the all the emotions that are difficult for us to deal with, it's like, oh, let's just put that in the bucket of anger because that feels <laughs> that feels way better than the other emotions. And I just wish we could get to the bottom of all the things that are hurting and causing us fear because the good thing about fear if we look it in the eye and we deal with it it's only one side of the coin the other side of the coin can be true peace mm-hmm. and knowing and understanding. understanding yeah right and that's the other thing you and i talked about that i just i really value is i think i learned like so many of us learn as we're being raised in this world is, you know, win, lose, right, wrong. Um, And that's so ingrained in us um, that, that I think it's really damaging to our ability to value and seek understanding. You know, that if I can, and I'm trying to do that with people who have different during this political time, instead of being critical of someone who thinks differently than me, I'm truly trying to find people who want to engage in a respectful dialogue to say, help me understand. And because through my understanding, I can get to a level of acceptance, even if I'll probably never agree with that position. I'll never agree with that experience. But now I can at least accept it without this critical judgment because I truly understand that's your truth. That's such a, <clears throat> a powerful concept. And um, my friend and mentor at GTRI or Zavaro, Rob Berger taught me that phrase like the first week that I was there. He's like, this is your killer sales question. Help me understand. And there was a book that I discovered that was old when I got it for the kids back in like the late nineties between parent and child. And this author said that kids just want understanding. You're still the authority. You're still the boss. But he talks about in this example about a child being afraid of the dark. And if I say, Oh, Nick, that's silly. You don't, there's nothing in your room. Just go back to sleep. So what I've done is, the kid takes it as not that their idea is silly, that they're silly. Right. And simply by asking the question, help me understand what's going on. And something else I read about, I think is maybe Southwest airlines. They train their customer service people to seek understanding before resolution, to let the pressure out, let the air out of that balloon because you call me and okay, Colleen, I understand your flight's canceled. Let me get that. And if you've got this whole thing about like, well, I'm going to miss Thanksgiving with my kids or this, that, like I need, you need to express 
what the impact of this problem is and I have to understand it. Then we're at a common place where we can go in a direction for a solution and not until then. Mm -hmm. and, and, and to be able to, and if you really go through that process with integrity, you could, you could end up with that. We're not going to resolve this. Correct. You know, and, and that's okay too. That in itself is a resolution, you know, because these people, you know, I've had a great conversation with a guy who was willing to do it and to talk to me about it. And, you know, what it came down to is what was being done, what the outcome was, was what he valued and cared about. And for me, so I said, okay, I, I, now I understand that, that that's all important to you. And that's what you value. Yes. Okay. Well, for me, I want you to understand that the what is not as important as the how. So how matters to me more than the what. And so as long as how matters to me more than the what and the what matters to you more than anything else, we're never going to <laughs> come to the same outcome, same place. And we left it there, you know, now was the seed planted for either one of us? Maybe, I don't know, but it was a really, now the old me, I got to be real honest with you. The less conscious <laughs> me would have been very judgmental about that. Would have been very judgmental. Like, wow, he only cares about blah, blah, blah. And not what it took to get him those things. That's brutal. You know, they have all this judgment around it. And who does that serve? You know, what does that do other than make me think I'm superior or righteous whatever it doesn't serve me or him in any way or our relationship so um and and i fight that i gotta tell you i fight that i when i'm trying to understand someone's position and it's so different from what mine is and and i feel like it's a difference in values boy that's hard i have to just be okay with that and love or care about that person anyway it is so hard because it happens it's it's biophysical it's the adrenaline and it's the emotion and the vision and the sounds and i can't process logic and emotion in the same conversation so when i've had powerful emotional conversations i'll say look <clears throat> i'm happy to go down this road but I am going to forget all the details, all the things that we talked about. I'm going to remember the emotion and we're going to have to come back and revisit this when we're calmer to get the details out of that. And that took years of mm -hmm. being aware of those circumstances and those situations that like, well, we talked about this a couple of days ago, like, uh, okay, if you say so, but I don't remember it because all I could process, like it goes single, thread for me just on the emotional side of things mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean good for you for being aware of that and uh and and when you're when you do experience that i mean i'm i'm going to why am i charged by this right now why is my <laughs> heart racing why is my face flush why am i feeling this you know this charge 
and to be able to understand that is important. I wanted to make sure we spent time on um, your being an ardent warrior and as a father of a daughter who's a freshman in college and she'll be entering the workforce soon, <clears throat> a couple mm -hmm. years. Um, very concerned about the experience she's going to have. And I didn't want to, I don't, I don't have a question related to that. I just wanted to talk about your experience with gender equity and yeah. what you've seen and maybe perhaps the state of it. And yeah, man, we could talk for hours on that for sure. I mean, I, I, I love to encapsulate it by this native American metaphor about the bird of humanity. Mm. Um, and it's, what they say is there's the bird of humanity that has a wing that is clipped behind it. And so the remaining wing is just flying and fluttering and moving and trying so hard to, to fly. And it's getting more muscular and more muscular because it's the only wing working. And then it becomes almost violent in its fluttering and in its movement and it just circles and circles and circles. And then one day the other wing is unclipped. The wing of femininity of the woman is clipped. And now the bird soars. And I love that <laughs> because it's true. We are better together. And the fact that we live in this patriarchal world where men are in power, still in corporations, in governments, in business, in, the, in economic power, it is affecting our whole world. And our world, in my opinion, will never get better. We will never be able to soar to our human potential until we have both wings able to fly, until girls are educated everywhere, until women are paid equally for equal work to men, where women's ideas and opinions and creativity is honored at the same level as men. Until that happens, I think we're going to continue to go in circles. We're going to continue to be destructive to ourselves and to humanity. I mean, it's, there's finally data out there to prove, even just from a corporate sense, from an economy sense, the multiple billions trillions that would be added to our overall world economy if women had equal status and standing and equal support. I mean, I, it's a fact. Black women get 1% of private equity dollars. White women get 4%. Now, what is that? Um, research shows that a charismatic white guy could has 60% better chance of getting funded and investment money over a woman with a better business plan. I mean, 
this is statistically, scientifically, research-wise proven. And so as long as women are held back the way they are, and young girls are held back across the world. And right now what's super sad is COVID has just made all the negative dark things against women and girls become worse. You know, porn and child pornography is way up. The industry's soaring. Kids are missing at higher rates than ever before. Domestic abuse, higher rates than ever before. I mean, it's just sad. It's, it's, it's going backwards versus forward. And it pains me, pains my heart, not just because I'm a woman. And I remember speaking about this to one pretty evolved guy, powerful man, and he just looked at me and he goes, I hear you, Colleen, and I believe the numbers, I believe the research, but men are not going to give up power easily. It's going to be a long, long time. And so I work for organizations and with women who don't want it to be a long time, who want to fight and do whatever we can to change it. And I don't, I don't think it's going to happen in my lifetime at 61 years old. I wish I could believe that, but um, I will continue to work for it till my last breath. I'm reading Hidden Figures now, and you talk about the the African American women and the other women, just the <clears throat> the secondary role, or not, I don't think that's right, it was secondary, but the subservient role that you know, we would not have been on the moon or won World War II without these computers that's what they called them before computers they actually computed these calculations and um yeah and it, it just I'm, I'm not fearful but just that perhaps my daughter would have a negative experience in the workplace just based on her gender i mean it's not something i worry about with my son but again i've tried to coach him up my my one goal with my son was for him to be that guy or for him to be the guy, not that guy. And to me, the distinction is the guy is the one you could call in the middle of the night going, Hey, I need to help me move a sofa or my car is broken down. That guy is the one that is at the bar, the loud mouth, <laughs> you know, yeah. and just be a decent human being. And I'm a much better person a much better man a much better father because i have had a daughter mm -hmm. and adapted to her communication styles and mm -hmm. i remember even when she was little when she would fall down and get hurt i would just pick her up and just hold her i wouldn't shush her i wouldn't you know tell her not to cry and i mean same thing with my son that i learned from that and he was older but i would just hold her like she's upset and just let that kind of ride out. But yeah, it's just. Well, it's true, Matt. And I think your level of awareness and consciousness, you know, we're all striving for wholeness here in life. And the fact is you have a feminine and masculine side and, and hormones to you. And Agreed. I have a feminine and masculine hormones in me. 
And research has shown the top male leaders have one thing in common. They're in touch with their feminine and they have a nice balance between their feminine and masculine. And that has been proven out over and over again. And so the fact that you have a daughter helps you to identify with what was already there for you. Is this feminine side of you that makes you whole if you tap into it? And so, yeah, I, I think we should be fearful that girls are still going out, are still being uh, sexually harassed in a very subtle way now, you know, because no one's going to be too overt about it, but it's still happening. And the comments and the subtle, I mean, I just was coaching a young lady last week who in an engineering field, hello, very mm -hmm. male dominated. And, and she was being held back from her peers, even though she was doing more work and accomplishing more, which leads me to the next thing is we can be our own worst enemies as women. Because when I asked her what she had done and, and the conversation she had had really embedded in all of it was, you know, well, I'll just keep doing a good job and it'll work out. You know, whereas the male side says, I want it. I want to be recognized for it. I want to be paid for it. I want to have this because I know I am worth it. Whereas many times the females will say, well, I'll just, you know, well, hopefully it'll happen and I'll just keep working hard and I'll be recognized. And they think promoting themselves and being confident is arrogance. It isn't. There's a big difference between being assertive and being aggressive and being aware of what your gifts and talents and contributions are and, and, and being entitled. You know, there's big differences. So know what they are and love yourself and respect yourself enough to go for it. I know we're almost out of time here. So, um, yeah, I think, I think it's important to, to be very aware of the things that your daughter may end up having to deal with and, and helping support her and be, how to be a good negotiator. The other thing women haven't you know, necessarily done well for themselves even today with all the awareness we have. They need to be better at negotiating for themselves, getting the data, knowing their comparisons. I had to do that for myself as CEO. Had to do a comparison study of my peers to find out I was everywhere from 200,000 to 50,000 underpaid. You know, based on guys who were running companies smaller than mine or equivalent to mine and had to fight for that. That's, that's the sort of thing women need to do. And when, men don't usually have to do that. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask if you'd be up for it, if maybe we did an episode two where it was actionable items for women Great. in the workplace. And Yeah, I would love could, that. Okay, because when you said we could go hours on this topic, like it's important to me and just um, doing what I can, right, to help. And I think if there was actionable items like that where examples like the, the salary discrepancy, well, be aware yeah. of this. And yeah. understanding that it the playing field is not level and there's more stuff that you have to do 
perhaps not from a pessimistic sense, but just realistic. Like this is, you have to be tactical and strategic about it. Yeah, there's no victims here. I mean, we can, I I remember a job that brought me here to Denver and I was going to be on the same level as three men. And one of the men was recommending me for the job. And I remember before I went into the interview, I had the courage and took the time to say to him, I need to know what you guys make. I need to know what your bonus plans are, what, you know, equity, blah, blah, blah. And he told me, went into the interview, got the job offer at the end. I was told I was going to make 10,000 less. <laughs> and I Jeez. had to say, well, I happen to do my homework and here's what I know my peers are making. And if I'm on a peer level with them, why wouldn't I be paid the same? And I was told, well, once they respect you and you earn their respect and trust, I can pay you what they're being paid. Now that's 30 years ago. I don't think that would be said so blatantly, right? Today, (laughs) as the reason. Um, But if I hadn't done that homework, I couldn't have negotiated and I would have accepted that job 10,000 less than my male peers. There's an example. Do your homework. But anyway, I would love that. You let me know. I, I will. talking to you. I will. Colleen, thank you so much. Where can, I'll post links to your LinkedIn profile if that's okay, but where could people uh, connect with you if they're curious about how to get involved with your, your causes or your, your coaching or things like that? Yeah, I think LinkedIn would be fine. I don't, Okay. Uh, I, I had a tendency to not check it a lot, but now they send you emails saying you've got a LinkedIn message. So I will <laughs> pay attention. <laughs> I'll, I'll filter them. How about that? I'll send them directly <laughs> to you if they come to me. So that'd be fine. Um, yeah, I'd appreciate that. This has been uh, so enjoyable. It's been great to uh, connect again. And it was just a, a powerful conversation. And I definitely want to do that episode too. So th- Colleen, thank you so much. Okay, Matt. Thank you. Have a great week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Episodes of this podcast are produced and written by me, Matt Sodnikar. The intro was engineered by good friend Cole Weinman. And our original score theme song, Retro Funk, was composed by previous guest and good friend Randy Wiafe. I also have two requests. If you like this show, please share it with a friend who you think might like it. And also take the time to show them how to listen to a podcast, either on Apple, Transistor, or Spotify. And I know you know somebody out there that would make a fantastic guest. And if you do, please shoot me an email to podcast at thewarmfront.com. Thanks for listening.